And one of my friends has this great term, hidden work. Mm -hmm. So I'm gonna wake up every morning and I'm gonna have a smoothie. Great, well the hidden work is, you have to get all the smoothie stuff. Right. You have to have it ready to go. Uh, and you have to make sure your blender is actually the grade of blender that you need to blend all that stuff into right. your desired smoothie. And then you need to know how much time it takes and you have to measure everything out and have to create a new routine. And so it's actually a 17 step process to do step 18, which is drink your smoothie. Right. Uh, and People that's, don't talk about the hidden work as much. They don't? Yeah. They don't, oh yeah. No, that's really, that's really most of the work. <laughs> it's life. It's yeah. the hidden work. Oh, I have to eat again. Ah, new decisions. <laughs> I forgot to grocery shop. Damn it. And my knife isn't sharp. on me every time. And, yeah. Right, and my knife isn't sharp. Yeah. 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 My All roommate didn't bits. clean the dishes, and now I have to do the dishes and then do the food. <laughs> People are fascinating, especially up close. More especially when you get them talking about the things that they love. This is From the Hip, conversations in the service of passion, purpose, and play. I'm Adrienne Gunn. You ready to play? Today on From the Hip, I am chatting with my friend Josh Sabra, the head coach or coach Josh and owner of Training for Warriors PDX. He and I chat goal setting, motivation, and leadership. So, hey, come cop a squat with us. Although, um, I, I might not mean what I think it means. Here's, here's your goal. You set your goal in the future, and then you're here, and then there's this gap. And you, you like set your goal and you're like, okay, how am I going to feel when I achieve that? Okay, and you take on those feelings now so that it makes it easier to get there. But then there's this, this beautiful, truthful confusing. Lots of things are paradoxical, right? Sure. Yeah, Confusing oh, absolutely. things like set the goal and, and then forget about it. let go of how. Yeah. But no one talks about what the, how to actually like. do that. Yeah. What the fuck that means. Um, we talked about that. That was the beginning. That was the launching off point today and it's 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 tough and i i've tried i've i've, I've swiped at that like three times mm -hmm. trying to capture the expression of that and it's um gary vanderchuk says it really well he's like what's your north star you know the clouds are like the dream like mm -hmm. you know you always know where the north star is you can always see it and then forget about it and just get lost in the dirt if you're living or dying by whether or not you are closer to your goal or not there's going to be a ton of up and down stuff and then like you are only happy if your last at bat was good right and like so if you're in business you know i made you know seven cold calls scheduled five appointments good day you know i made 10 calls no one answered bad day you're in pain you're suffering and and it's it's up to the outcome in mm -hmm. the outcome you don't control right like if you're whenever you're depending your current state on the outcome it's can you depend your current state on the input? It's not the same as like letting go about the how, right? right? Part of the how makes you happy. If you selected the right thing, you, we, I mean, if, if you wanted to be a farmer, you don't just like farming when the grain's grown. You like farming when you're digging the hole yeah. and then you're sowing the seeds and then you're tilling the earth mm -hmm. and you like all of that too. Mm -hmm. If you selected the right, if you're in the right place in your life. That makes sense. We'll see. I mean, kind of. Yeah. Well, yeah. And I love, like, I love that you're like, I swiped at that. I'm swinging at the story of the, how to do the let go of the how. I think, I think that might be the challenge for most of us is that that's where the fucking juice is. That's where where the turning point of success probably is, in that like set the goal, let it go, and no one's that great at describing or modeling what that letting go. Maybe there are people that are great 
at the letting go part, but they're usually not the ones putting videos out in the world. Well, uh, Brene Brown is the one that's just had books on this, right? Where she was uh, talking about how if you are a perfectionist, you don't create a lot because it's not perfect when you first create it, mm -hmm. and then you can't you can't let it go. And like most of us, I think the process is set the goal. I'm gonna love being a personal trainer. Everybody's gonna be in great shape. All my clients are gonna be compliant. I'm gonna, every day is gonna be a good day. It's high fives and PRs. <laughs> and then you get into real life and your client no-shows and your, your next client has a back problem. Now your whole program can't be done. Mm -hmm. And then you have to you know, make this adjustment and that's, that, you have to meet people where they are. And by the end of the week, you are further, you're, you're, actually, you're actually farther away than when you started. Right. And if you're zen and compassionate with yourself, you are able to let go of your expectations and then you go back to, you can, you can enjoy the process, but you first had to like fail and stumble and like skin the knees and get cut. Because the worst thing that can happen is everything actually goes exactly the way you plan it. Yeah. And then you think that's how life's going to be. Right. And then you're, you're fragile to the imperfections of the process. No resiliency there. No resiliency. No resiliency. I think your hand is sort of opening. Uh, is this true? Is this that was from last night. Okay. It's a, it's good. I, should, yeah. I was like, is that blood? No I'm blood. okay. Go with it. This <laughs> <laughs> yeah. blood makes it better. Right. More exactly. it's, it's more real. <laughs> so, this is a real interview. Resiliency and uh, agility were, I think, still some of my goals of like how to be doing life, yeah. like improving my agility, improving resiliency. Like you I, seem like you're doing that, the agile, the agile part, at yeah. least. I don't, and I'm not in your inner workings and the resiliency, but I mean, and actually, the inner workings are supposed to be messy. So, <laughs> so the outer workings are good too. So there you go. Yeah, essentially, if you like cut us open, it's like, oh, that is. Who would figure to put that there? That's all wobbly and wiggly and off balance. Well, who is uh, one, one of the attendees to our clinic today who was a trainer? And um, she's like, oh, so you got this, like, whenever you go from being a trainer to a business owner, everybody's like, like, all, like all your trainer friends just like shut up and they're like, is this really going to happen? Because this is where everyone quits, like yeah. when they're trying to actually make a business out of it. And they're like watching me. And then they, every time, every time I talk to one of my trainer friends, I was like, oh, how's the business thing going? <laughs> like, like, they're not, they're, they're. They're, they're not, they're too positive to say like, it's not working, is it? Like, they're, they're too, they're too, uh, uh, they're, they're too rah-rah, but they're waiting for me to like show cracks. And there's lots of cracks, by the way. Yeah. Like that's life, right? Yeah. Um, but the, but it's funny because like, uh, I was telling, so whenever I, I say like, I was like, listen, like I'm moving forward. I still have that thing and every Monday I'm like, fuck, should I be doing this? Right. Like, does this make sense to me? Like I'm 33 years old and I really bet the farm on this thing kind of coming to fruition. Yeah. And it's like, um, I love it, you know, but it's, uh, if you love it, if you love it more than you hate it, you're winning, you know? And, and that's the, that, that's what I come back to. And the hating it part is like that failing, the expectations not met, realizing that I need to develop a skill set that I wanted to believe that I had that I actually don't. Right, yeah. Um, the, the humility of realizing, oops, I don't know how to do this really important thing I need. Yeah, or, and, or even worse, um, or maybe better, depending on how you're framing it, right? Right. Maybe better is, I thought I was really good at that. Like, and like, my thing was, like, people. Like, oh, I'm, I'm really good with people. I've got empathy, I, yeah. I connect, I can read people. 
<laughs> no, man. No, you're missing it. Like, like, and it, it's because the game is so much more subtle. Like when you become a black belt in jujitsu, because like, like when you uh, martial art the metaphors are great because like uh-huh. you're talking about moves, right? But let's mm-hmm. even use a simpler mar- martial art boxing. There's like four or five punches you can throw in boxing, right? right. So by the time you get um, four years in, is like the, the benchmark that everybody references. When you've been training for four years, you now know there's 122 variables to every punch. So you actually have a thousand moves, right? Right, and like, and so there's so much more to do. And so you go back and you're like, oh, I thought I was good at it because I knew four moves. And now I actually, there's more, I can get, that my jab can become more refined. And so I was like, no, maybe I can. Maybe I do understand when someone's angry. But sometimes that anger is good. And I need to learn to harness it yeah. instead of making them feel heard, right? Sometimes you need to stoke the fire. Totally. Or, or, or po- poke the bear. Yeah. That's yeah, a good in my world, that sort of, so we train on uh, sensory acuity in the hypnosis and NLP is like the awareness of, of people's emotional processes. And there are some techniques and some, some shifts that, whether you're just having a casual conversation, whether you're having a, a directed conversation with somebody, when you're getting into someone's story, like the difference between, oh, they're in the story, so mm-hmm. we're in content, and not how they do their, how they do their problem, because that's mm-hmm. something that NLP people, like, we want to shift how they're doing the problems. We yep. don't care which problem they're talking about. We right. don't care about the story in some ways. But like knowing that sometimes you want them to go into their problem right. so because they can associate to it and you can shift it. Sometimes you have to like poke their bear and, and, and attack their strategy and be sort of, uh, oh my gosh, what is that? There's a Castaneda reference. Um, pesky tyrant, I think it is. Mm. If you want to be somebody's pesky tyrant to like agitate something yeah, yeah, yeah. so that they can shift and you're like supporting their shifting. But I know someone who says if my client isn't ready to punch me, I might not be doing my best work. Yeah, you got to jab them out of their safe place. You do. That's a cool, I mean, A, it's a cool idea. But what does that look like on the ground? Um, let's say I have a disempowering view about money. Mm-hmm. And you're like, you're like you, you already know this, but you don't really care what my story is. You actually want to get me talking about it so that you can slide me out of it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, like, how would you how would you frame it up? How would you tee me up to then kick kick me off the ledge? <sighs> yeah. There's well, like poking around enough to hear, and then probably just re-reflecting the disempowering beliefs that are beneath, and then just asking, you know, get them fully associated. And it's like, anytime you've ever made money, has this state that you're in got you there? That mm-hmm. kind of thing. Like mm-hmm. okay. People will get fully associated. They'll, they'll, they'll come up with a belief. And then when you repeat it, you can I've always been poor. I'm poor. Yeah, right. And you're like, oh, okay. And then you just, you. You either find a situation where, where they recognize that that belief is the thing that's keeping them from getting money. Okay. Or you get them to recognize that it's the, par- the times when they did have money or they were able to make money easily. Setting up a point where they realize it's not true. Yep. They recognize it's not true, or they recognize that sometimes if you go super deep, the, the belief it's like, oh, money doesn't go on trees or these other beliefs or something like that. You can actually get them associated to when they heard it, who they heard it from, or something even deeper that's like, I'm a bad person, I'll never have any, I don't even deserve money. Mm-hmm. Like even below it, that has like it's so weird and ridiculous, the phrase will come out of someone's face and they're like, I, I, I'm a worthless person, or I've never... I'll never accomplish anything. I don't anything. deserve nice things. Whatever. I don't deserve nice yeah. things. And then they like, say that out loud and they're like, that doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. But then also you can hear them like sort of ch- choke on their emotions about it. And it's like, what? Yeah. Those moments, if it's you okay. can get b- beneath it, sometimes you can have like a surfacey conversations. It's like, oh, reframe, 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 focus. Or 
like what beliefs are useful. Mm -hmm. People, do you know anybody who's great at money? What do you think their beliefs are? Well, so then there, that lies the uh, detaching from the goal and going to the process. The outcome you don't have control over is to get money. If you want somebody to then like, how do you say, forget about the how, right? You say like, let's pretend it was impossible, but you still have to go through and do your job. Mm -hmm. So like um, the, con the, what's the one getting to know, like, like count up how many refusals you get, right? Yeah. So like, so pretend that you can't get money now. Now there's no pressure, right? But you go back to the process and you still got to throw your pitches. You still got to do whatever it is. You still got to do your mobilities and get under the bar and do the squats. And maybe you don't hit a PR today. Maybe you don't even get to 90%. Maybe you don't get to 80%. But you still got to work the squat because that's the process. Mm -hmm. And then lo and behold, when you take the pressure off, that's when they excel. That's true. And there I you go. It. So that's it. So you, I, I think that letting go of the North Star or letting go of like the how or everything has everything to do with lowering the stakes, not raising them. Because the right. stakes are so high. We're critical. But right. if you can say, okay, don't worry about winning. Let's say you can't, there's no winning this one. You just, the playing is all I want you to do. And then you can get on that state of play and yeah, lower I the bar. I mean, it's gotta be, but it's gotta be specific to like what you're doing. As I don't think I could have that talk with somebody not in fitness. Totally. I think it takes like you're the expert at life stuff and replumbing people. I mean, like Adrian, forget about your goals. <laughs> just forget about them. Don't worry about it. Just I want you to just pretend that they don't exist right. and, and just know that you're gonna be happy no matter what. Right. Right. And yeah, that's huge though. The belief that you're gonna be happy no matter what, or even like when you lower the bar. Thinking yep. about, okay, so these goals that you don't think you can accomplish, cool, let's pretend that's true, but what are they? If you could, you mm -hmm. know, you do that, like, let's say you can never accomplish that, boom, that's one way to lower the bar. Or just say, let's say there wasn't anything you could do to not accomplish that, right? right? You yeah. would, it's destined, you couldn't screw it up and you could. And when you've reached that place, what are you doing? How does your life feel? What are you doing? And sometimes it's like, oh, I'd wake up, I'd stretch, I'd eat breakfast, I'd have chai tea. I'd probably call one of my friends to connect with someone. Like sometimes people can like, when they're like, okay, so then you've got millions of dollars and you have a job you love, what are you up to? What is your day like? And when they really describe it, it's not really that different no. from, from the stuff they're up to now. They're just, they just think that they'll enjoy it They just it have more. faith, confidence, certainty, self-love, you know? Oh, just those things. Just those things. No, big no deal. but that's it. Like every book, it maps back to that. Like, <laughs> like you know, they just like, they're, they're grateful for the moment. It's actually, you know, whether they live in the penthouse or the first floor, it was irrelevant, right? Yeah. Uh, but that's, that, you know, I feel like that's the lesson that we're all constantly learning. Um, I was just talking about uh, letting go of that, my goal to deadlift 500 pounds and as soon as I did I like healed my back and lost a bunch of weight and then um, got a personal best and it's like but it's like the the because when you harness those things that are free that are all around self-love gratitude in 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 a state of play and enjoy the moment and you increase your joy everything things happen more easily shocker and yeah yeah it's easier to win yeah I'm gonna do a thing okay I imagine we've been recording right I'm just guessing. So if you ever need to talk to a human person, they're in this camera. Ah. These are our friends. Oh. Hi, humans. <laughs> and uh, so here's a part where I'll introduce in the middle. I'm Adrienne Gunn, and I'm here with my friend. Josh. Josh. Do you want to have a last name today? Uh, Sabra. It's uh, French, I'm told. Nice. Yeah, I don't, you can't find that name. I don't Does know it, where, the, where it is. It doesn't, doesn't, does it feel French to you when you yeah, say it? Yeah, it's, um, well, so my, my grandfather immigrated from Canada, and he always told me it was French, so that could be a total lie. Yeah. It feels French to me, though. 
Yeah. <laughs> because of that story. I'm going to take it on. It seems, it seems as French as things can get. Thank you. It's the most French thing that's happened in our conversation. <laughs> and that's probably the most, that, that's the only French thing about me. I don't really like French food, French fries. Um, French kissing's pretty good. Yeah. Right? And you know what? Yeah. I'm going to take it back. Jury's out on France. <laughs> still working on that. <laughs> so I am curious. So you're a personal trainer and you own a beautiful business. It's, it certainly is attractive. Yeah, it's super yellow in the places where it's yellow and it's not where it's not. Uh, training for warriors? Training for warriors, yeah. What's that? What's that? Um, so we, we do personal training group fitness. Uh, training for warriors is a brand that one of my mentors started 20 years ago is what he would say, uh, but a, a long time ago. And um, Martin Rooney has been working with fighters and athletes to make them more durable, stronger, faster, all those things. Mm -hmm. I got into it from that lens of injury prevention because my original job in fitness was working with soldiers who couldn't meet the army standards for some reason. And I had to be self-taught on how to get them either off their injury or in shape. And you know, this is back in um, like 2000. I mean, they just had to run fast and do push-ups. So it wasn't mm -hmm. too difficult, but it, I was self-taught. Martin Rooney was one of those people I was reading about to get, borrow techniques from. And I was always trying to get, um, you know, either you know, solve somebody's movement problem then, or just keep them from getting hurt in the first place. And uh, I got attracted to him through that whole, like, just don't hurt people. Yeah. Um, and he's a great coach and mentor. And he had this program. I saw, uh, I saw him speak in 2012. Mm -hmm. And he was putting this together for trainers to be part of a global network that already had my values or has my values. So it was an opportunity to sort of be associated with like-minded people. And it, and it worked well with um, where I wanted to go. So it's awesome. like, I could invent something on my own, but this is already there and it's great. It's better than probably what I would do. So, <laughs> so yeah, that's always helps, right? It's borrow yeah. from geniuses. I love that. Well, and a lot of the techniques that I have are borrowed from places and the strategies of NLP are just modeling people who are successful. So just borrowing it and then taking it on yourself, like the quit smoking strategy I use, I, I come up with fun ways of connecting to clients differently each time, but I still just follow this platform that I learned that was modeled on all the best quit smoking specialists. So when I'm doing that with people, I'm like, just, I just relax because yeah. I didn't have to invent it. I yep. just show up. And some of the supports there, it makes things like way easy. Totally. Modeling success. I mean, I mean, so learning all is, is all about. Um, yeah, and so it, it made it really easy for me. And they have a, they even help you with uh, business coaching and business development. So they've got a really great uh, business coach. Luca Hochevar is the kind of the mastermind behind it. Mm -hmm. um, follow him online. Follow Luca's podcast. Listen to every word he says. He's a behavioral change genius. Nice. And he's a go-giver. So if you contact him, he'll follow up. So it's good. Right on. Yeah. Um, Can I talk for, about where I met you? Please. I want to interrupt it like, on purpose. Do it. So... It feels like time is strange for me. Okay, I'm pretty sure today happens to be Saturday. I don't know what day it will be when people are listening or watching. Right. But it feels the very future. Saturday to me. Uh, but like, Saturday. I think three years ago-ish, I was on a kickball team yes. with a bunch of entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. We sometimes, as solo, a bunch of solo entrepreneurs, we sometimes get lonely. We, we're like dedicated to serving a path and going out in the world and doing stuff. So I was on a kickball team and since we're also very busy people as entrepreneurs, we would often need subs to be on our kickball team. And this was a hilarious kickball team that uh, like our, our, our motto was like uh, blood kill fun. We would just like yeah. yell that at the top. And so Toku McCree yep. 
brought you in as, as a, a guest, as a sub, and like you ran us through warm ups. Animal warm ups. It was like one of the most fun starts to kickball, and no one got hurt that day. No, no injuries in a very injury prone team. No injuries. Yeah, no, so kickball is intense. No one knows this. No one, yeah. You Broken to, like, bones, torn muscles, yeah. A bunch of non-athletes, generally, yeah. showing up, not warming up correctly, doing explosive. Uh, Off-season like, athletes. They're not always sober. Mm -hmm. Varying degrees of sobriety involved, yeah. in kickball. And uh, the explosive movement that you have to, to use to kick, this ball probably shouldn't be kicked, by the way. Yeah. It is not designed to travel well with your foot. No. So, like you're kicking something that's like too too soft and gonna fight the air, a lot of resistance. Yep. And so a lot of people are like tearing their quads. A lot of rec fems, yep. Uh, sprained ankles. Like what my strategy for kickball is to warm up and stay warm the whole time. Yep. I don't understand how anybody does softball or baseball or any of that. I'm like, cause you sit and you wait and then you have to, you have to sprint suddenly? Mm. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it is a, Counterintuitive, um, counterintuitively dangerous sport, and there isn't a process for that. Good for you for staying warm, though. That's kind of a secret. Yeah. To get the blood flowing at all times, and you're ready to go. And I, I am definitely an athlete. I was a college tennis player, and I played soccer and basketball in high school, like varsity. So I was super intense. Like everybody's playing and trying to have fun, but I was the one that was like, ah. and so yeah. your your friend, our friend now, yes, Toku, is one of the funniest people that I've ever met, and he's the worst the worst pitcher, non-athlete <laughs> person ever. Yeah. And so I would be standing by and watching That's a strong, him. Ever, yeah, he's pretty, um, but he's motivated. I had not met someone that was a worse pitcher <laughs> in my life. He had the courage to be the pitcher though, because you're out there and you're constantly, because like when you, when you throw a bad pitch in baseball, like, you know, lots of people don't throw baseballs that well, but when you roll a ball like down to the, the home plate, like if you're a foot off, which is easy to be a foot off, you're 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 like a bowling roll, really. Yeah. Um, then everybody sees you kind of look stupid in front of a whole crowd, and Toku was good at that. Yeah, 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 yeah. He was one of the best was, worst pitchers yeah. that you can like. He he was total confidence. Well, and and essentially, like it's it's actually kind of hard. It's difficult to be a bad pitcher in kickball because yeah. the ball can bounce. Like you've got a gate that you can hit, and he would miss that a lot, yeah. which is phenomenal. And I was actually surprised that he, he knew <laughs> really incredible athletes. It was, really, <laughs> it was really an honor to have a moment of like, like being pumped up and coached by, and this you, just, is, you just dropped in and said yes. Yeah, yeah, that was a lot of fun, yeah. Well, this is what it would look like if you took it seriously. Like if you, this is what it would look like if you had a process to that. Um, which is fun too, because um, the cool thing about, about uh, coaching at all is really just, revving people's engines yeah. and you know keeping people from getting hurt and getting you know winning is good too but it's always fun because like you don't have any idea of the plan and then you get to like do a bunch of spiders and tigers and animals and yeah. get all excited and fired up um yeah so that's uh, that's always a blast i like to tell stories too yeah um, you know and integrating that into it but uh but you also bear in mind that this was a very um coachable team <laughs> because everybody was like a go-getter and yeah. there wasn't like it was you know people wanted to be there so and wanted to win and wanted to not get hurt because yes. there was some serious injuries on that team <laughs> yes our, our uh, mutual friend we were um, open we were like most of us in this sort of personal development fields yeah like a whole whole room or a whole outdoor space full of like coaches that are coachable right yeah the um speaking coach um 
That Danielle? was she, team captain. She broke her, but she broke her femur, right? Or, I thought she. I thought she tore a quad muscle. Okay. It was a like, long recovery time. On the first, like she was the one, Danielle Louise Ross. Danielle, yeah. Uh, or Louise Ross. Louise. I have to keep checking in with her to make sure I know it. Uh, so she formed the team, and I think it was on the first kick of the first ball in the first game. Uh, or was it even during warm-up? <laughs> Hard to say. We were like warm-up kicking. And she, she was like, mentally Oof. going through the and process, and then she fell down. She's got an amazing story about that team and about that whole... No, like, it's the speech. I, w- I was there for one of those events where she talked about the culmination speech for yeah. uh, coming in last place. No, second to last place. We, we like won the third... Like, we won. Oh. We won something. No one expected that. We okay. won... Maybe third place. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What well, was? Yeah. <laughs> and my favorite part about that particular thing is it wasn't. I think it was a sub that showed up, who was probably the least skilled athlete that kicked the winning run. Ah. It was one of those bad news yeah. bears, like who yeah. knows what the heck, revenge of the nerds moments, mm-hmm. like where like, why did this work out? Yep. I, and I have no idea. That's grace. <laughs> That's just letting the universe help you out. And being okay with that, yeah, and um, and being able to get that bronze trophy <laughs> for your kickball league, Bud Kilfine, your non, your your D league, your D league kickball tournament, <laughs> yes. So, have you always been sort of coach coachy personality, or no. was there something that like pulled you and drew you to this kind of kind of work? Um, it was a it was something that was thrust upon me for sure. So oh. I was an introvert in high school. I didn't yeah. do any sports. I did cheerleading my final year. I could see that. Yeah, yeah. I, be- I started to become a little extroverted right at the end of high school. And then some girls came up and were like, hey, do you want to uh, help us with this cheerleading thing? I was like, yeah, girls, yeah, obviously. And, <laughs> um, and then it sort of got me into um, being social. Mm. But I joined the Army right after that. And then I went to airborne school. And then it was like a switch. So right after basic training, it's like, it's like a literal, like, it's everything is set up for like a, a true rite of passage, right? Because you kind of can't, you can't, oh, you could quit, I guess, and go home. But like a basic training where you go in and they, you look like a you know normal high school idiot and you're just going to stagger into this room. And then you, <laughs> it's like an assembly line and they stagger out the other side. And then you have a uniform on, and you're, but you don't know what to do. You're certainly not a soldier. And yeah. they ferry you through basic training and they beat you up and you know, make you do a bunch of push-ups. But, you know, that you learn how to rock and shoot and communicate and do army stuff. And at the end of it, you're... you're a, a, a soldier and so you've got this sort of you know label attached to that event so you get a little bit of an identity and then right after that I went to airborne school so I'm like okay I'm a soldier now it's really boot camp is just cultural integration into the military mm-hmm. and so and then after the in airborne school they pump you way up so you're you come in and um, you're there's like 900 people to start. Usually about 100 fall out, but it, it's a big, these are big classes, yeah. and they are they're trying to qualify like you know entire divisions of people to jump out of planes. So there's lots of lots of soldiers, and they're getting um, so you go through this three week process of indoctrination. But instead of like beating you down, they're pumping you up, and they're, nice. they're talking about you're a part of the greatest you know uh, military uh, unit in the greatest army that the world has ever seen. Like you're a, you're a paratrooper now. You have to swagger. They're yeah. just constantly and the and the the airborne instructors that are running it, they're like divas. They're just <laughs> they have these like black hats. They're scary. They they threaten you to murder you all the time. But there's no consequences. They kind of do whatever they want. They're not really in army uniforms. So they're in army uniforms, but they're not um, 
a, they don't uh, structure the same way that your drill instructors were. They're mm -hmm. kind of like fun. And so like you're having this kind of like fun three week long initiation process. You, and then the last week they kind of march you into the, these cargo planes and you jump out on this drop zone. And um, because, yeah, so we, we were in a rush. So we had to do two jumps in one day and like we we're getting hooked up and it's super scary. You're kind of jammed in this cargo plane. You stand up in these cargo nets and then you hook up and static line jumping and, and they, they pull the chute out, you jump out. Yeah. So I'm like, you know, I'm 18, terrified of the world and um, jumping out of plane. So I'm kind of afraid of heights. Obviously I'm getting more comfortable with it as they throw me out of this plane. But then on the fifth jump, you land in the drop zone and they mean it's like get rid of your gear and they separate you and they take these like silver airborne wings and they put them on your chest and they punch them into your skin and they say now you're a paratrooper and like don't ever let anybody talk down to you don't ever like 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 this is who you are now yeah. and like that's all i needed and like i was an introvert and now i'm an extrovert like um i was shy now i'm cocky and like, yeah. i totally took it on as my persona for years wow. and that was like a stage of life that lasted a long time so I volunteered for everything and I got to Germany with this attitude and they were like, hey, we need somebody to volunteer to be the fitness person. And so I did that and that sort of became my kind of brand identity in the army. Wow. And I would help people, uh, help soldiers get into shape to meet the army standards. And when that wasn't my job, people would just knew that used to be my job. So they would ask me, hey, can you write me a program? You want to work out with me? Can you like help us? We're trying to do this thing. And so that became like a role to play, mm -hmm. like that, I, that it, it gave me a sense of how to fit in. Yeah. So it was, it was very automatic. I had some, like I've had some similar stuff in the sense that like the role was handed to me and strapped on in yeah. the sense that, that I, I learned athlete and musician were sort of my two callings when I was younger. Those were the things that I thought I loved the most and had, had uh, skills in. It was easy for me to do Those both things. Those are good things. skills, right? Like yeah, and Entertain they people, seemed different monster. paths for a minute. Sure, uh, I was into acting a little bit, but I, I like dedicated myself growing up to athletics and music. And I don't know if I accidentally, I had a coach who was trained in Tim Galloway's inner game of tennis. Oh, cool. And that's super weird from the 70s, super weird what, mind game, trick right? stuff. Yeah. And then evidently, like that's probably the starting point of the weird stuff I do now for a living. Ah. But, but guess, so I got introduced to personal development stuff through dealing with family trauma the first times in like 12 step programs as like an Alateen and AA and that kind of stuff. And then this Galway weird, strange psychology is applied to athletics help people get out of their own way, let their unconscious mind and their bodies do yeah. what it knows how to do, that kind of thing. And that whole time I kept like motivating myself to be a better athlete and then uh, people kept handing me, you're the captain, go. Or like there was a way in which I was decent at being a leader but I was sort of a reluctant leader. I would sometimes even in group projects in school, I would, I would, get, I would sit next to the most organized person yeah. that had a good leader posture Smart. but wasn't like they were probably introverted, so they didn't think of themselves as a leader. And sure. I would make them the leader of the group. And then as a mascot, I would like do the yeah. side stuff. But everybody kept, yeah, kept trying to hand me keys. Like, be a supervisor, be a manager. And I kept like avoiding the keys, but having yeah, yeah, something yeah. that people kept recognizing. Yeah, you were the, you were the Dick Cheney of the uh, operation. <laughs> Sorry, Maybe. there's not a there's not a positive mastermind person like, like, the, like the, on the, the side. controlling that puppeteer, makes sense. right? Yeah. We'll think of a benevolent mastermind uh, as we talk, and we'll see if I can't come to it. But yeah, you're the person that like had the actual compass, and then uh, but you were you're not necessarily the the formal 
role. I, I didn't necessarily want the responsibility of the title. Right. I went in and out of it for a very, very long time. Until it's a sign of a good leader, by the way. Yeah? It's common, common in the, uh, on the army, there was a saying. It was like, the person who doesn't want the stripes is the person who needs them. And oh, that's, wow. That's a, that sense of imposter syndrome means that you're, you, it's a valid role for you. It's an important role for you and, and that you'd want to be better to do it, mm -hmm. which is why you need to do it. It's probably, yeah. That's good. It took, I think I was about 25 when it snapped in that not only could I do it and I had the right skills, that I could trust myself with that amount of responsibility and show up in it. And I was actually curious because I, I know my path of figuring out, okay, yes, I'm willing to be the leader. I know I can. Because in the other parts, you'd like, it's like lining up in a room when some, a leader needs to happen. Yeah. Almost everywhere all of the time. Leaders well, it will need to happen. happen. And, and I would like try to, you know, if I'm using like a basketball, like a pickup pick game metaphor, I would just sort of like pretend I couldn't play basketball. Sure. That's the version of yeah. leader, like hiding. Yeah, deliberately knowing that something needs to happen and just being sitting on your hands. Yeah, totally. And, uh, and then when I did finally say, okay, this is something I'm skilled at, I know what I can do, and I can trust myself to lead, hand me the keys, I'll take care of it. That was some, like 25 or so. I'm curious if you had oh, wow. a moment so where, early. like somebody stamped you as a leader, but when did you pick it for yourself again? Did you have a moment where you like, or did you just stay with that momentum? I think it's tough. Um, I, I think that the desire to, um, there's a satisfaction that comes with like getting four people to do the same thing at the same time. Like if you're trying to organize the pickup game, like mm -hmm. the ones like, okay, we're starting now. These are the rules, these are the teams. Yeah. Um, there's a satisfaction that comes to that. Um, but I think like I had a willingness early on and the army makes it really easy. Like, so like it, it would say it would be early, but it would be in the sense that you know, as a young leader, you just do what everybody else is doing and then you're just accountable. Like, you don't actually have any power. Yeah. You're just the person that, like, someone's going to be the point, point of contact. So it, it's like kind of a gateway drug to leadership is just, like, kind of getting the crap without getting any, um, you know, power. Um, just getting the responsibility first, which I think is actually probably the better way to do it, mm -hmm. you know, and then um, growing up. So I would say, like, I volunteered early and I don't think that... Um, Outside of the, the military, I don't think I ever had a formal leadership role. Cool part about our, my world now is if you just like, you can, almost anybody can just make something happen. Like you, you and I could make a meetup event for today. Yes. And we could have a party here today. Yeah. If we were just like, hey, uh, we're talking about, uh, you know, leadership stuff. <laughs> and and cock, it's Portland and beer. And there <laughs> yeah. would be there'd be 30 people here, like, yeah. you know, talk about stuff and drink beer. Um, so it's like, it's easier now to take on a leadership role because you can define as a, you know, sole entrepreneur or have a small business, you can really define what you want that to be. Mm -hmm. um, so I'd say early on at, with mediocre results to answer your question. <laughs> <laughs> you said yes to it. Yeah. It's been working out. Right. I remember bumping into you on one of those magical, sunny, weird, like in the middle of rainstorm, but sunny days. This may have been, so this was after kickball. We've met we maybe bumped into each other at, at networking events, but mm -hmm. I think I, I remember the day just down the street here near like Water Avenue Coffee or yep. whatever, we bumped into each other just as you were opening this space. Yep. And I remember the story, you were super excited, you looked all shiny. <laughs> You're talking about like, it's fitness and it's coffee. It's, yeah, yeah, <laughs> Together. yeah, I was gonna do that, yes. And uh, still working on the coffee part. Still working <laughs> on the, the juice bar part, yeah, yeah. Um, how, this is, that's good, how naive I was. Um, yeah, that, two I, years, two and a half years ago, two years two, ago. Yeah? Yeah, yeah, wow. that was, 
Maybe it was like the month after we opened. But okay. um, a lot changes when the rubber meets the road. Yeah. Um, you're you kind of led with that. You're you're trying to. Uh, you want to know what's happened since then, or how is that going? I'm for not me? sure. I just yeah. love that. I I really yeah. felt so, so honored to be like, be invited into that moment, your moment then, of here's what's up, here's what's shiny. We just left this building. Yeah, we're about to go back and, and we're excited. Yeah. yeah. Um, so like in my mind, you know, at the time we had a really great team. We have a really great team here at Training for Warriors. Um, at the time, I had some of my best friends. So Emily Corso is working with us. Um, Mike Bionyvang down. Uh, he's he runs East Side Strength and Performance right now. Mm -hmm. Patrick Thomas, who runs Ironside, was there. We were all jazzed on what uh, what we could do with the spot. And what became clear, speaking of leadership mediocrity, what became clear is like like we I had a vision, but I I didn't. It wasn't fleshed out. I mean, mm -hmm. and it's still coming together a little bit, but. Um, had a vision that didn't have a strong sense of how everybody would be able to fully support the vision and, and fully achieve the things that they wanted to achieve. Yeah. So it's like not clearly defined roles um, and also misreading what people want out of their lives. Yeah. Right? And it's just, that's pretty much everything. This sounds uh. like forming a band to me. Yeah. No, that's, that's, a, great, <laughs> that's a great analogy. And, yeah. and it's very similar to um, how things went. Like, uh, you know, Mike went his way, Patrick went his way. I, I came here with Emily, you know, like, like we're totally gonna do this thing. And you know, this, my project's gonna look like this. And then you, you get there and you start to like, you know, unroll your sound and you're like, actually it's not like that at all. <laughs> and, uh, and then uh, Emily started building that ass and now it's, you know, I was forming function time. So now we're all doing completely different things. Mm -hmm. It's a completely different story um, when you actually get there to start executing and you see what people are good at, what people aren't good at, what you want to do and what you, you didn't want to do. And a lot of times what you think something is about is not what it's about when you get you know, on the water. So yeah. it's like way different, but in a lot of really good ways. I mean, um, they think the story has been successful for everybody involved. Like they're, the other bands are still going strong. <laughs> you know, they're playing great music. Yeah. Um, and uh, we, we talk all the time about um, what we what we want to do versus what we're doing versus like what we were good at and not good at, you know. And to honor that like that sentiment, like for me, that's still the dream, you know. Like uh, you just run into a bunch of problems and you're like, okay, so we need uh, power. Okay, we need to restructure power for the entire building. <laughs> What's that look like? Oh, we need to create like a new link to the transformer. Okay, just ninety thousand dollars. No big deal. That's all it is. Yeah. You know. <laughs> Create or you know, state the problem in solvable terms. Yeah. You know, like yeah. oh, we need to move some water over there. Just water, water's everywhere. Right. <laughs> it's Portland. <laughs> like, right? so you you just start to like define things and figure out that like, and that's what I think people whenever you're setting a goal. Um, one of my friends has this great term, hidden work. Mm -hmm. So I'm gonna wake up every morning and I'm gonna have a smoothie. Great. The hidden work is you have to get all the smoothie stuff. Right. And you have to have it ready to go. Uh, and you have to make sure your blender is actually the grade of blender that you need to blend all that stuff into right. your desired smoothie. Right. And then you need to know how much time it takes and you have to measure everything out and have to create a new routine. And so it's actually a 17 step process to do step 18, which is drink your smoothie. Right. Uh, and People that's- talk about the hidden work as much. They don't? Yeah. They don't, oh yeah. No, that's really, that's really most of the work. <laughs> Life is yeah. hidden work. Oh, I have to eat again. Ah, new decisions. <laughs> I forgot to grocery shop. Damn it. 
And my knife isn't sharp. on me every time. Yeah. Right. And my knife isn't sharp. Yeah. All the roommate didn't clean the dishes and now I have to do the dishes and then do the food. <laughs> so, okay. So you're, you were saying earlier, many of your very supportive, highly trained and positive attitude friends yep. that are quite physical and, and in different levels of fitness keep showing up to you like wondering, okay, How's that how is this business thing going? Thing going? Yeah. It's two years or so yep. in this space. Yeah. And how's that business thing going? I guess, I guess that's yeah. the question. I'm sure it's like, going it's, great. I mean, like, um, so we're, We've been doing training for warriors. We've been running the program the way it's designed to be run. It's a group program, um, and it can be scaled to anything. But um, it's it's at its heart, TFW is a group program. Um, so we've got five classes a, a day, twenty classes a week. Um, so I guess there's some days where there are not five classes, huh? Um, but <laughs> so we've got I think there's twenty two classes a week. Um, yeah. So we are we're making money. Um, the the model or i think like the the thing that we've discovered is like what are the variables that matter that change the user experience that change the experience for our students and clients so like we're, we're figuring out we did the hidden work like now we're at like okay now we made a good now we have a good product yeah and um and it's fun and i think that the key is you know you're on the right track is if you enjoy doing that work so for me like the sets and reps and the variables uh aren't as fun as telling stories and connecting with people mm-hmm. I do run a business. I don't love to do the accounting piece and the back end work um, as much. So I try to outsource as much of that as possible, but I also have to get good at that too and like yeah. understand what it is. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm running a business now. I don't think I could have said that two years ago. Right. Not, you know, um, or maybe even a year ago, for sure. Well, it's essentially, you probably just sort of jumped in. <laughs> A lot of, well, here's the thing. A lot of people, if they're, if they're coaches or personal development, like people get into it because there's something that they love that's a service. They love to help people with this thing. And then it turns out that you're like, oh, I can do that for a living. I can, I can do this thing I'm great at f- for money. Yeah. Cool. But then it turns out you actually have to have a, a business and a business model. And people don't usually go into business because they like business right. building, right? right? They like... They like the service they provide or they like the product they want people to have or any of that sort of thing. And then there's all this extra stuff mm-hmm. that you discover along the way. It's not extra stuff, though. It seems well, it's like essential extra, stuff. It's, 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 it's essential stuff. But that's the way I looked at it, right? Oh, yeah? And that, that makes it more work. Hmm. It is more work. Um, but like all that stuff I'm not good at, I was just talking about. Right. But it actually, it serves to make your work better because those, all those things you just said, yeah. they're in alignment with cr- creating that great experience and service that you that you have, but when I was a young practitioner, I didn't understand that. I didn't understand how the structure of the business and how your, the way that you um, segment your products and all that stuff actually helps people more if you do it well. Right. Um, and that's a super recent discovery for me, but that, that had changed the game. And now I actually, I'm more inspired. I'm not saying I love it, but I'm more inspired to work on it because I, I understand how it actually creates a better outcome for people. Definitely. So that um, reminds me of the, yeah. the people who say that everything is a marketing decision. Yeah. yeah. How you choose your accounting, how you choose the people you work with, what your your uh, your email templates, all of those things do structure and, and support somebody getting results. Mm-hmm. So if if somebody has a better mindset about how they show up to like personal development or life shifts. You're setting things up so that all you have to do is walk into the room and say, okay, you want your life to be here, but it's here. You ready? Change. Yes. Right. Right. <laughs> it's done. Yeah. And you're, hopefully your business systems can help people get there. Totally. Oh. Yeah. And um, 
and that that sounds magical, but like it it can be it can be that simple, uh, not necessarily easy, but simple. And if you're if you're doing it right, you know the jury's still out on whether or not I'm doing it right. But um, but but like um, it's it's okay to like like sales. It's okay to like marketing. It's okay to like connecting with other people. Um, and you could frame it as like everything's a marketing decision. And and if that helps, I think that's. That's good. Well, I, I don't mind forming it like that because I actually like marketing. Yeah. So a lot of people <laughs> think that sales and marketing are dirty words they're not supposed sure. to say out loud. Yeah. And they, it makes them, it's like saying moist. Sure. Moist? Oh, yeah, no. Which moist. is a trigger word for like, people like, I don't right. like that word. Yeah. So, what? So what if moist was the thing that got you spectacular results? Mm-hmm. Part of the thing mm-hmm. that you love. What That's, if, yeah. The, I, you know, I only want moist cake. I'm not going to have dry cake. Um, yeah, totally. Yeah, and um, and that's a good way to frame it. I, I like that you did uh, pair it up with something that people are often reticent to engage in, like marketing or like uh, you come full circle on it. You're just like, I hate marketing, but I actually do love it that Amazon tells me what book to buy. Yeah. Like it's like because like I got some really good books from that. And, yeah. Uh, uh, so it's like you know you, you like the marketing that works, that's well educated and connected. That is the thing. Yeah. When people, I don't like sales, I don't like marketing. No, 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 no. You don't like shitty sales right. and bad marketing. You don't like somebody knocking on your door that you don't know, that you don't care about, that want, they want you to help them, not the other way around. Totally. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, externally, because we see each other in Facebook, Facebook and Instagram, man, I'm loving that the way that you're putting yourself out and doing videos for people. I get to see those, and those are fun. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Externally, like, spying on your life. It seems as though you were able to have, like, like beautiful lifestyle shifts sure. that said, hey, life's good. Like sometimes when people are like starting a business, they have no social life. Totally. They have no like support system. And it. it seems like that stuff's going well in your world. Yeah, that's a mindful, I mean like that's a choice, by the way, that's a choice. I get stuck in the grind and thinking that it's, it's, it's uh, meritorious to suffer. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I had an epiphany earlier this year. Um, I, had, I went to a summit and it was really fun. You get around a bunch of positive people that you like. It was a training for warriors thing. And um, it's like, I want to do whatever I have to do to get around good people. And it's like, actually, I know a lot of good people. And actually, they're doing stuff all the time. It's just a yeah. choice of whether or not I want to like, get, get out of my comfort zone. We, we have stories like, I'm too tired. I don't have enough money. Like, people won't like me. So being social is hard. And that's this thing people say all the time. Like, it's yeah. hard. Just show up. You know who's excited that you came to their birthday party? Everyone. Yeah. Everyone's excited. Yes. You know that you're that you showed up for them, and in just like deciding to be present, I think that if you can make one choice, that's a huge choice to make. And then so I just decided like I'm just going to do the thing I wanted to do, and it's okay if it's hard or uncomfortable or expensive or whatever. I'm, I'll just deal with it, and that's like has made all the difference. But it's a continual choice. It's like being being uncomfortable is a habit, mm-hmm. uh, and being comfortable is a habit. So you got to continually do the uncomfortable thing, which actually makes you happier. You know, but you probably talk about that too. I sometimes talk about that. <laughs> My friend, oh, I went to, to, where did we talk about this? Do, do, do. She said the most brilliant thing. I think we were collecting footage from a friend's concert and a, another friend that I know through acting. We were talking about getting out of your comfort zone. And she said, it's just, I want this on a t-shirt. She said, the, the best way to get out of a comfort zone is to not have one. Mm, mm, boom. And we were in a loud club and it just like shook the rafters. I'm like, man. Yeah. Can you do that though? Can you? I'm curious about that. I had the realization, if, if we're talking about comfort zones, as a person working towards goals and wanting to live just a supple and amazing, joy-filled life, 
those, those are what my goals are right now. There's this point where when you're leading other people, they talk about it's important to also have a coach or also have mentors. Yeah. And one of the things that I realized that is also true. And I think one of the things that helps me help other people get results is to be pressing up against my own edges somewhere in my life so that I can stay. I don't have to be where they are on the path. It helps to be further down the path for the people that you're helping in what they're wanting results in. And, and I realized like, oh, in order, in the times when I wasn't getting great results with my clients, it's because I wasn't putting myself in a position where I was also a student or mm -hmm. also a client or also moving and shifting and pushing up my edges because it meant that I, a different metaphor was talking about, I went and saw, I was interested in tango. And, and this man came up to me and asked if I could dance. I did not have the right shoes. I was just witnessing tango to see if it was oh, something I was yeah. ready to do. And he said that when he learned tango as a man, they're told to learn to follow first because it makes you a good leader. Yep. So when we talk about this comfort zone and these edges and that sort of thing. One of the things that I, I am curious about, I don't actually have an answer for you about sure. that. But I, I did recognize that in the, in the moments when I wasn't getting easy results, I can st I could still get results with clients, but easy and powerful shifts for my clients were the times in my life where I wasn't, I was staying safe. Mm -hmm. I was staying cozy and I wasn't pushing myself in some area of my life of, of either being, being a client or being a student or trying something new and moving and stretching any of my kinds of muscles. Like there's a, you know that there's a process yeah. to build muscle and build strength and that sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't understand because you're you're a curious person. You like a lot of different things. Yeah. You know that have a wide variety of interests. Um, I I've, I'm fascinated. Like I don't know if it's uh, having high standards or whatever, but like there's a lot of sh I don't know. Like there's just a lot, and um, I find it really difficult to not be a perpetual student. Reading is a way that it calms me down, and um, and like if I'm being honest with myself, there's a lot left on the table in terms of my life and what I want. So it's a, it's a luckily it's, a, it's a, a habit to be constantly like in the pocket of a mentor or a, a process to, to change the way that I'm thinking about something. Mm -hmm. um, and if you read a lot of books and there's a lot of well-read people in our friend group, like they, they all start to say the same thing you know, in, <laughs> in veins. Yeah. And I like that. Like, yeah. I, I like the comfort of the repetition. I like mm -hmm. connecting the dots and making everything make sense. Um, and you always learn new verbiage and like that, like you were just saying, be, be a student. The thing that makes me better at what I do in the gym is like finding the language, the right language for the right person. So it's, if you, I may have told you the same thing a hundred times, but if I just change my tonality and the, the verbiage that I use every time, it will make sense one of those times. I don't know which one, right? Mm -hmm. But it'll, it's going to land when that connection is made. Like you're going to change, and then our coaching relationship changes too. Yeah. And um, but you're going to get that if you're getting that coaching from other people, so you can borrow more tool sets, more more verbiage, more more um, assets that you have to, to share. Heck yeah! There you go. I love it. Bam. Yeah. Well, I was going to say what popped into my head just now. There's the things that you've studied. Now I'm not saying you haven't studied these things. So so the training that I went deep into is language yeah. and communication. So music and, and acting has a, has a physicality, that the, the tonality, the language in that sense. And then I went into sales and marketing, which is also about communication. Yeah. And then I did some work in psychology and sociology and studying there. 
Then I went into learning hypnosis and neuro-linguistic programming, which is specifically about how to, how to communicate. And so when you were saying, knowing the right thing in the tonality to say, I was just, I was just having this image of you're specifically trained in which specific physical shifts someone can make to get the results they want. You can, you can like watch somebody's body and figure it out and then sure. give them the, the shift that makes the difference, right? Mm -hmm. and I'm trained in the shift that makes the difference in language. Mm -hmm. So I'm just gonna say that those are easy mm -hmm. skill sets and tools to find. And, and it's learn. one, and, and, and like, I love that you brought that up because then you said like um, language and um, the theater and all the things that you put, put together from that. Um, it's, it's, the, it's essentially the same, everything is one thing, right? Like you, those are the different set of variables and interventions for the same stuff. Yeah. Um, and um, that makes it more valuable. Like every time you do another class or another course, right? It makes it easier to connect the dots. That's cool. NLP is dense. Have you tried to read NLP? NLP don't is read, dense. Don't read NLP. That is not the best way to learn. That's, that's yeah. Take that. That's the black belt. Start with the white belt. Read something easy. I don't know what the easy version of that is, but um. my suggestion in all things is so all changes essentially that that actually work have to be emotionally significant. And so if you're going to learn something to, to, to heighten the, the state, the emotional state you're in, like if you're going to change anybody's mind, it has to become emotionally significant. If you're going to change a habit, it has to become emotionally significant. There's something you attach an emotion to something. Totally. So the easiest way to learn something new is to do an, an experiential process, to drop yourself in the middle. That's why they say like you should go into an immersion program to learn another language. Yeah, go yeah, into yeah, the country yeah. and do that. So if you were going to learn something like NLP and hypnosis, I think the easiest way to do it is to go to a seminar that's a few days long and like put yourself and your body in there in a place where they are trained to give you a heightened experience so the learning goes quickly. Like a book is not the greatest way to be introduced to something that can be that particular. Right. No, that's so on it. I mean, it's so cliche um, in our industry. My industry has said that everybody says learning is in the body. It's yeah. not in the mind. But it's so true um, with, with that too. It sounds like it's the same thing. Like you said, experiential, emotional, and that's a big thing too about coaches, like in the fitness industry, not having coaches mm -hmm. of their own. Because if you're if you're not getting evaluated and feeling those subtle changes, and when, when those when those things shift for you, and learning new stuff and new techniques, it doesn't. You know, it, it's not going to be as real for you when you go to teach it to somebody else, even if you read it in a book. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to be mindful of your time. Sure. And the play. Thanks. And I'm feeling I'm feeling my blood sugar, and I'm feeling like rapport with maybe your blood sugar and whether you need to scratch. And <laughs> so we'll I yeah. am like, I'm loving that you are willing to play. And I'm curious, like maybe if there's a one last question, like what's, what's your next, what's the next hill you want to climb? What are you working on? So what are you excited about? Like my life has been really unstable. So my whole, everything I'm doing right now is to try and like to cut to the chase is to be living the life I always wanted to live and just do it now while I have it, whatever mm -hmm. that means. And so like, I, my next hill is, um, you know, taking where I'm at in my life and going deeper with it. Nice. So like, um, I, don't, I don't live very far from the gym. I like walking to work. Like, I love the work with people. Fitness is my drug because I'm still like really enthusiastic about changing my body and my life like that. So like for me, it's like taking, um, taking training for warriors and getting going from 60 members to 160, mm. you know, and that's going to take years and that's fun and that's cool. 
And um, along the way, like um, having a great work environment for coaches and our staff to develop as people and um, to build better relationships. And I go back to that stability piece because I'm, lo I'm looking for depth not width right now because even though I'm a curious person, I really like having great relationships with the students here, the mentoring, I, I use that word very carefully with my coaches, like uh, you know, teaching them um, and the staff like how to, how to deliver great um, development to the, to the students. It's all important to me. So just doing more of what I've got mm -hmm. and um, you know, 10xing that, if you will. But for me, that, that the value is in um, getting better at, the, at my own craft and process and feeling like going from feeling good about it to feeling really great about it and confident. Nice. Love it. Easy. Well, I'm around if you need any help with that. Yeah. <laughs> yes. love, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, it's good. To, yeah. It's good to know the best, right? Yeah, absolutely. I love, I love that. One of the, my favorite things about saying yes to the entrepreneurship adventure, which it looks like it's a solo adventure. Right. No adventure is a solo adventure. No, there's no such thing as a self-made man or woo man or other such. You make the decisions. <laughs> and you have a lot of help. <laughs> yeah, you're the one that says yes to your adventure, and there are a lot of helpers along the path. And yeah. I love being in your community and being able to, like, you know, whether we're hanging out or saying hello or whatever. I'm like, I'm a fan of yours. I'm cheering you on from from wherever. And I think it's it's interesting the way that like as people are connected, and and we shift. I imagine that as you make shifts, I'll accidentally feel some of them too. Just you know. Yeah, no, I know. <laughs> I think there are esoteric philosophies and quantum physics that are going to prove prove that. But it feels like it. There's when, some math in there. When people in your community make shifts and make strides and have have successes and triumphs and even the trials and and fall on their faces, we all feel it and we we shared learnings. Yeah. Well, I totally agree with you, which is why I always root for your success too. So I can feel the vibes. <laughs> vibes over here. Right. right on. Vibe it my way. Right on. Okay. Well, thank you for that. I don't have a fancy way of wrapping up. Water um, drinking. Gratitude. Thank you for putting this together and, and having a conversation we should have had like a year ago. Oh, yeah. Right. Absolutely. But it's awesome to do it now. Thank you for saying yes and being here. Thank you, CJ, for being CJ over there. Thanks for know. watching. Well, that's how that went. <laughs> Thanks for joining us on this episode. Thanks for watching, listening, I don't know, reading, imbibing, however you took this in. Thanks for being here. And if you really enjoyed it, I'd, I'd love it if you would do all of the things. Uh, like, share, I don't know, ring a bell, bang a gong, tell a friend, and come back next time. I hope you had as much fun as I have.